Against the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears offense was getting back to some of its old bad habits. Not sticking with the running game when it's working well. Not picking up blitzes and properly protecting the quarterback. Not getting DJ Moore involved. Then Justin Fields got hurt and everything went out the window. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On the show today, we look at a bad Bears loss to the Minnesota Vikings, only made worse by a Justin Fields dislocated right thumb. As I'm recording this, we don't know the full extent to which that will keep him out, but that's obviously the big long-term takeaway from this game. But I want to look at what was happening even before his injury, where this offense seemed to be reverting back to some of its old ways and struggling in a lot of different ways, not just Fields himself. I also want to look at Tyson Bajent, who came in, gave you some hope there, an encouraging touchdown drive and a follow-up comeback drive that ultimately ends with an ugly interception. And I always like to wrap up our Monday after a loss podcasts with finding some positives. And I don't think we've people are talking enough about a pretty good, dare I say, or a good enough defensive performance in this game, really keeping the Minnesota Vikings offense largely under wraps, albeit without Justin Jefferson, but still got to give him credit when they actually do so. But the Bears offense is the bigger concern right now, given Fields' injury situation and really their inability to consistently move the ball and score in this game. You know, after back-to-back weeks of the offense looking great for at least three quarters against the Denver Broncos and Washington Commanders, we wondered, has this offense turned a corner or were they just playing two really bad defenses or really poorly coached defenses in Denver and Washington? And what would happen when they start to play a defense that's coached a lot better, like one Brian Flores? And I think we saw the answer to that question was, oh no, that was just bad commanders and bad Broncos, not all of a sudden Bears have totally turned a corner because even before Justin Fields' injury, we saw, heck, on the opening drive of the game, two sacks where the blitz gets through and he gets gets an unblocked pass rusher getting right in his face. And then what a couple of plays later, sacked again on that drive and get into a long down and distance. And like that was the story early in the season, certainly against the Buccaneers and the, the Chiefs who blitzed quite a bit. But we saw as a result, Fields, not having that same confidence and decisiveness that we saw him bring against the Broncos and the Commanders, right? Where he was firing these throws with anticipation and really 
seeing the play develop before it does and trusting his receiver and getting DJ Moore involved. And I, I don't think it's purely Justin Fields' fault that DJ Moore had like one catch in the whole first half. But I do think we didn't see the same level of Fields in, in the first in the first half. And I didn't think the offensive play calling and game planning was helping Fields and the offense all that much either. It felt like Luke Getze getting back to a lot of his earlier struggles and and bad habits of, of what this offense looked like. You know, we saw throughout the course of this game, Dante Foreman was running the ball pretty well. There were certainly ups and downs, but for the most part, the Bears were getting what they wanted on the ground game. Darrington Evans, too, would come in and rush well. I mean, they finished with Foreman had 4.3 yards a carry. Evans had 3.6. They combined for almost 100-yard rushing between the two of them. When you add in Valus Jones out of the backfield, the running backs, people at the running back position did get 100 yards rushing. Like The Bears ran the ball well in this game, and it felt like, once again, they got away from it far too often. A lot of the passing early and often, and sometimes they'd remember to run the ball. They ran it like three or four straight plays during the course of this game and then would get away from it, and the fields would get sacked because, again, they couldn't properly pick up blitzes. You had a mini bye week coming off of the Thursday night game against the Commanders. You had 10 days to prepare for what we all knew the Minnesota Vikings were going to do. This was not a new defensive game plan. They didn't throw a bunch of wrinkles at the Chicago Bears, and yet they still felt like they largely weren't ready. They didn't have answers at all times. They didn't have hot routes when they needed to. Or when the Vikings didn't blitz, they couldn't get anybody open, right? It was like the Vikings were always one step ahead. They'd show blitz, the Bears would change for the blitz, they'd drop eight, and then no one's open, and Fields takes a sack. Or they'd, they wouldn't show blitz, they'd bring blitz, but Bears don't have it picked up, and Fields takes a sack. I mean, it's just stuff like that that gets you very frustrated about this team. And of course, there was a play, there was a series in the second half, we'll get to it with Bajan in a little bit, but on Luke Getze, they ran a bubble screen to to Darnell Mooney, picked up like seven yards and then ran a bubble screen to DJ Moore that was blown up and then ran the same bubble screen to the other side back to Darnell Mooney. Three straight plays, essentially the same screen play call. Three, They're all RPOs, so there's an option to run, but still back-to-back-to-back plays all being the same type of slot wide receiver screen. It's just stuff like that that's so frustrating. Around Fields, in addition to Fields himself, hesitant to take these deep shots, checking things down and not really doing a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't blame him for the interception where the ball popped 20 yards up in the air and then it was just a jump ball there. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't see that as like a bad decision from Fields. It just wasn't the same like confident, decisive, aggressive, high-level quarterbacking from Fields against this defense that we saw against the Commanders and the Vikings before that. Then he gets hurt. Then the thumb is dislocated. Apparently they popped it back in and he tried to get back out there, but anytime the thumb becomes dislocated, then the bone is pushing in and, 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 pushing on tendons and other muscles in there. So the MRI is going to determine if there's any ligament damage and stuff in there. Usually it's, from what I understand, there's usually some. It's just a matter of like, how much will that impede him from continuing to play the quarterback spot? Will it be, if if those are damaged, will it just hurt too much? Will he be able to have enough strength to grip the ball? Because he was trying to grip the ball during the game while while injured and couldn't get back out there because he couldn't get enough grip strength there. So that might suggest he might not be ready to go next week against the Las Vegas Raiders, but we'll see exactly how long Fields may be out from here. But however long he's out, it's going to be the Tyson Bajant show moving forward. And he did show us some fun there, some nice plays, some downfield passing. The offense felt like it opened up a little bit more once Tyson Bajant went in the game, but I'm hesitant to think that he's going to unlock a new Bears offense that they weren't getting with Justin Fields beyond just, of course, you know, the interception and the, and the strip sack and the mistakes Bajan did make in this game. I think there's also aspects of what happens when a young quarterback comes in that might work well when he's thrown into the fire against a team that wasn't preparing for him, but becomes a little bit different 
you know, in his first start, his second start and, and beyond there. So we'll look at what Bajent did in this game and what the next couple of games might look like if Tyson Bajent has to be the starter next on Locked on Bears. The Lockdown Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the best way to get tickets for all of your favorite live events. Not just sports, but you can get Bears games tickets. And I'm sure, you know, if Justin Fields is going to be out a couple weeks, those prices are going to come down a little bit. And you can always find a great deal for Bears games on Game Time. But you can also get live music, you know, comedy shows, concerts, theater events, everything near you with last minute killer deals all-in pricing, so you're not getting surprised with fees, and you can even see the views from your seat. I love it just as a way to, like, see what's going on around me. Instead of having to go to, like, each venue's website to see, okay, who's going to be, who's coming here later this month, or who's coming there later this month, it's all in one place, and it's easy to then just buy the tickets right there and have that peace of mind that knows I'm getting the best price for my ticket. Take the guesswork, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, Create an account and use our code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Locked On Bears podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports because Prize Picks puts you in complete control of whether or not you're going to win or lose. Unlike other daily fantasy platforms where you're setting up your lineup and you're trying to compete against a thousand other people and just happen to have the one in 1,000 best lineup that uh, what everybody else picked, Prize Picks says, no, we're going to let you decide whether or not you win or lose. Prize Picks sets projections, passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards for each player. And you decide whether that player will get more or less than their prize picks projection. You pick two to six players, and if you nail your picks, you can get up to 25 times your money. It's super easy. You can literally make your picks in 60 seconds or less. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use our promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's an extra $100 to play with at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Promo code LockedOnNFL. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Tyson Bajan's first NFL action was certainly not made easy, thrown into the fire a little bit in the middle of a game to make his debut and came out certainly uh, didn't start the way he would have wanted to start with, you know, the strip sack going back in for a touchdown. It was, I guess, his his third play. He did have a completed pass in his first play, so I guess the first pass was, the first start was, you know, where he wanted to, but that first drive ends in a disaster and it's seven points going the other way. And all of a sudden in a game that you felt like you were right in it down 12, six at halftime, it becomes 19, six. And it's, it's a little bit more digging out to do, but in some ways, like as much as that sucks for Bajent, maybe it takes a little bit of the pressure off when you say, okay, well we're down two scores. Now, anything we can do at this point is gravy at this point. And that should have been the mindset coming in, right? When you're starting quarterback who your whole offense is built around gets injured and an undrafted rookie free agent comes in, even if, we're excited about Tyson Bajent. It's kind of just whatever you can get is gravy at that point because you're not expecting a rookie undrafted for agent quarterback to come in and actually lead a great comeback drive. But, you know, slowly but surely, the Bears drove down in the fourth quarter there and got all the way down to the goal line and Bajent took the QB sneak up the middle and scored for his cursed career touchdown and Bears were down six with about eight minutes left in the game. And you're like, okay, you know, Bajent's settled in a little bit. 
It's hit DJ Moore on a couple of really nice plays there. And of course, Moore got hurt because some of those balls really kind of left him out to dry, but made a nice, you know, rolling away scramble adjustment for play where Tyson, Tyler Scott came out of nowhere, running back onto the screen and dove for a pass. Like, Bajent was cooking a little bit, and they got back to running the ball a little bit more up to that point when they got Bajent going a little bit after that drive. But then, of course, driving down at the end, takes that deep shot to, to DJ Moore and was picked off at the inside the 10. And I was kind of waiting for an explanation on that interception to be like, oh, you know, pressure in his face, he was off balance, or maybe, you know, he got hit or something. But he said after the game, no, I just underthrew it. That's that's on me. I, I I just didn't dial that one up correctly. I didn't put enough under it and really needed to throw that one farther. Like, it was just purely a bad throw. They had DJ Moore one-on-one going vertical. Moore had a step on him. And if you can lead him, it might be a touchdown throw. But it's, instead, it's badly, horribly underthrown. And it kind of highlights, I think, the the ups and downs of throwing an undrafted rookie for agent quarterback in there. And I, I want to sh- give a shout out to a friend of the show, Kyle Popovich. T- he texted me right after that. He's like, this feels like the Caleb Haney experience, right? Where backup quarterback comes in and he's young and a fresh face. And he's a very different style of quarterback than your starter. You know, going from big cannon arm downfield passer, Jay Cutler, or big cannon arm downfield passer, Justin Fields. Obviously, a lot of differences between Fields and Cutler, but like, bear with me, right? Like, those are not those are not the same style of quarterbacks as like Haney or Bajent that are much more quick decision, three step drop, get rid of it, anticipate it, and try and be smart with the football. Again, Haney and Bajent aren't exactly one to one either, but it's like it's the contrast of quarterbacking from the Fields style to the Bajent style, or the Cutler style to the Haney style, which are not the same, but it's it's an analogy, not a perfect not a perfect one. And Bajent comes in, it's like, oh, like he's getting rid of the ball quicker and he throws with more anticipation. Like these are things that Bajent does perhaps better than or just differently than Justin Fields. And I think this is an offensive system with Luke Getze that is tailored a little bit more to that style of quarterback, which is an indictment of the offensive coordinator for not making a system that's more tailored to Justin Fields. But regardless, Bajent can come in and throw some nice quick curl routes, some nice quick slant routes, and make quicker decisions with the ball with the blitz coming and it, and it starts to work a little bit here. Until it doesn't, right? Until he gets strip-sacked in the pocket because he doesn't have two hands on the ball and because he's he's not flushing out quickly enough because the speed of the regular season is a lot faster than the speed of the preseason that he had gotten his other action in. And, of course, you know, trying to get on the same page with DJ Moore, throwing a deep ball in, in a live game, a little bit different when there's a real pressure coming on and it's a real opponent that's blitzing you and all that stuff, and he massively underthrows it. And it's like that's where you're reminded again, like, yes, there are some things about Bajent that he does that are fun and exciting, get you excited. And, and he could still be a very good quarterback someday, but like you're going to hit those warts too of, of an undrafted guy trying to figure it out. And Hey, there is a reason this guy went undrafted. And so I think if, if you're moving forward with Bajan, likely for at least this week against the Raiders, I mean, we still need a prognosis on fields, but at this point it doesn't seem like it's good sign for fields to be able to play this week. I think what you're going to see is, is more of this kind of thing where it's like, He'll, he'll get into a rhythm, and he gets into a rhythm, I think, quicker than Fields does and can kind of, you know, chunk your way down the field well, and you'll be excited about him, and then you're going to see those, some of those mistakes. And I think as he plays more and more, defenses are going to pick up on the things that he does and take advantage of him as an undrafted quarterback. For example, he stares down a lot of receivers. If you watch Tyson Bajan, they're quicker throws, so it's a little bit harder to take advantage of the stare down, but teams are going to start realizing, like, hey, this guy's not necessarily looking us off with his eyes. Right? He's just he's going to tell you where the play is going to go, and that's going to get you in trouble at some point. And I think he's going to then have to adjust, right? So I think we're we're still going to see some more ups from Bajan. Like we're still going to see some of these moments, and maybe maybe it's a full game against the Raiders because Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt, went to the hospital today. You know, after his game, so like 
I could even see Bajant beating the Raiders, but I don't think even if Bajant starts putting together some better performances, there's going to be a point where defenses start to catch up to him, and then he's going to have to catch back up to them. And that's going to be an up and down process to where there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be more interceptions. There's going to be more strip sacks in that way. Like there's going to be those examples of times when Bajant looks great and times when Bajant looks less than great. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how well he can kind of ride the highs and lows and the waves of whatever's going to happen over the next you know few games or whatever his replacement time for Justin Fields is going to be. A big way to help him certainly would be to get healthier on offense, get your running backs back, get your offensive linemen back, which again, the Cody Whitehair benching is a big story that we, we won't have time to talk about today, but need to get into at some point, probably on tomorrow's podcast. But also the defense needs to generate some turnovers and, and play well to help the offense do their side of complimentary football and put the offense in a position to try and win some of these games. And I felt like they did against the Minnesota Vikings. It's never a perfect defensive performance, but the defense kind of did their job. They were vulnerable at times, but did a lot of good things in this game. And I think it's important to recognize the defense as a real positive coming out of this one next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Let's say your team's in need of another quarterback because someone's injured and you may have to go look out for somebody else. You want to make sure that you're getting your eyes on the best possible candidates so that you can make sure that you're getting the people that are going to be best for your team. Maybe it's not a quarterback per se, but it's your equivalent of a new backup quarterback. Every single job is important because you never know when they're going to be out on the field. LinkedIn is going to give you a great pool of candidates to work with. And then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lost in the much more important storylines of, of Justin Fields and Tyson Bajant and, of course, feeling bad about the loss and just feeling bad about the team in general, being back to their poor playing ways, particularly on offense, on offense was a defensive performance that, you know, the, the fumble return for a touchdown makes you forget they held the Vikings to 12 points. The defense held them to one touchdown and two field goals, plus Rasheem Green with a blocked PAT. So, I mean, 12 points is a winning defensive performance. You're off. You should be able to expect in the NFL that if your defense only allows 12 points, you should be able to win that game every single time. If your offense can't outscore 12 points from your opponent, you're not, I mean, your offense is bad. And that's, that's where the Bears are right now. And of course, the Bears offense scored 13, but the Bears offense also gave up seven points via the fumble recovery. So like, that's why the math makes you feel worse about this game and see 19 to 13. It's like, okay, well, that's not a stellar defensive performance, but like it kind of, again, stellar is too strong of a word, but like they got the job done. They absolutely shut down the Minnesota Vikings running game. They averaged 2.1 yards per carry as a team, and their lead running back, Alexander Madison, had 18 carries for 44 yards, 2.4 yards per carry. The team did not have a run longer than eight yards in this game. They were really swarming downhill to the ball. And I think that was perhaps, I mean, I guess it's always intentional, but more from a game plan standpoint, right? I think they wanted to make sure that the Vikings were not going to beat them 
with the running game. You got no Justin Jefferson out there. Make sure it's not just running the ball and controlling the clock all game against you. Make them other receivers in their passing game without their best weapon. Make them be the ones that have to beat you. And they sort of did. I mean, you know, Addison had a couple of nice catches and a touchdown. Hawkinson had a couple of nice catches. Like, they they moved the ball all right in the passing game. But, like, Kirk Cousins had under 200 yards. Still had a 93.6 passer rating. But, like, 21 completions for 181 yards and one touchdown. Like, that's not a... It's not exactly Kirk Cousins lighting them up. Like what what works so well for this defense is that it seemed like almost every drive the Vikings would start out with a running play and it would go for a loss or nothing. And so the Bears kept swarming the run so well that they would get into second and long and third and long or second and long to third and medium, and then they could sit back in their soft zone coverages that Eberflus runs and for the most part, keep the play in front of them, step up and make the tackle. It's fourth and short in the Vikings punt. Like that was kind of the, the defensive formula here was really, I was going to say sell out against the run. It wasn't even all that much selling out. It was like, you know, Justin Jones getting in the back foot for a big tackle for loss. Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings, Jack Sanborn. I mean, the, the linebackers were definitely being aggressive. And as a result, there were times when Kirk Cousins was able to find open receivers behind them. And sometimes... They move the ball way too easily, especially, you know, on that on that last drive in the first half, you know, the two minute drill. Cousins can kind of dink and dunk and then a couple chunk plays in there to Hawkinson. And really, it was a lot of Hawkinson on that drive to get all the way down and then finish in the end zone on a, on a pass to Addison. That was a little bit too easy right up the seam. But like for them, other than that drive, they kept the Vikings out of the end zone every single time. Plus, you had a, a, a great, uh, I guess, technically on the stat sheet, I think it went down as a strip sack by TJ Edwards that was intercepted by uh, Tremaine Edmonds. That play was ruled a fumble recovery on the official statue that Edmonds dove for it and seemingly caught it out of the air. That was ruled a fumble recovery and not an interception on the NFL's official stat sheet game book for that one. I thought, <clears throat> I mean, there's no, there was no need to like review it, I guess, but Sure looked to me like, A, Cousins' arm was going forward, and B, Tremaine Edmonds made a legitimate clean interception on that play. So it goes down as a fumble recovery, not a pick on his stat sheet. So it, when you look back on the season, you know, you wonder why he didn't have as many interceptions. But still, like, that was a great individual turnover-generating play from him. You saw Jaquan Brisker be involved on uh, a forced fumble in there. And, of course, there was the, the backwards lateral pass that TJ Edwards definitely recovered inbounds, but apparently his toe being over the, uh, the sideline out of bounds is enough to say he was out of bounds and didn't have possession. So somehow that doesn't count as a turnover, but you were getting close to turn. I mean, you did get some turnovers and you almost had an, an extra turnover. Like the defense was generating some things there. The pass rush was maybe still a little underwhelming. They didn't get to Kirk Cousins a ton, but they did enough to put him in, in long down and distance situations with how good they stopped the run that it wasn't horrible in that regard. Like for the most part, these guys held up fine. And I think there's some credit there to, you know, these linebackers getting a little bit more comfortable attacking downhill, this defensive line. I think I think they matched up well physically with the Vikings offensive line in terms of being able to generate more of that like strength and power, you know, that pure raw strength with big guy, bigger guys like Andrew Billings and Walker that are, I think, just a little bit, I don't want to say oversized for their position, but just, you know, bigger, physical, strong type guys, not as much of the speed type of of linemen on this Bears defensive line, at least you know, outside of Ngakwe. So, you know, they were able to they were able to set that line of scrimmage back a few yards and then allow then the linebackers to play aggressive downhill and scrape over the top and deliver some big hits and be in the right position and and also just tackling better too. That you know Alexander Madison is not a 
dynamic, you know, game changing, make a bunch of guys miss tackles kind of running back. He's average, you know, he's he's all right, but not not very good. So, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going to be able to take advantage of the Bears and, and go like individually like Herculean effort to create a running game on his own, even when his offensive line maybe wasn't doing a great job for him up front there. So to, to me, like that really made for a nice formula in this game where you didn't have Justin Jefferson as kind of the, the like bail you out option. Like it's Kirk Cousins working with a bunch of other receivers that are not dynamic athletes and are dynamic playmakers and a running back that's not a dynamic playmaker. So it's like what Hawkinson can give you and then occasionally finding some lapses on your coverage in the back end. But that was only good for 12 offensive points by the Vikings. Check that box for this defense. Pretty good. And you know, next week against the Raiders, potentially without Jimmy Garoppolo, could be another opportunity for this defense to check another one of those boxes and do their job against Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell would be the Raiders quarterback options there. I mean, yeah, they still got Devontae Adams and, you know, Austin Hooper playing well for them and Josh Jacobs in the backfield. There's, there's talent on the Raiders offense, but quarterback-wise, in theory, you should have a slightly better matchup there if if Garoppolo is unable to go. So some momentum for this Bears, def- Bears defense, even if the offense is definitely heading in the wrong direction. And we could take that away as a positive from otherwise an ugly, ugly Bears loss that feels like we're kind of right back where we started, at least offensively. I'm curious to go back through the All-22 film and look at what went wrong with the Bears' offensive line against the Blitz and, and what we saw a little bit more closely from Tyson Bajant as well. So we'll have to go through some of that stuff on tomorrow's podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We also got to talk about Lucas Patrick going in for Cody Whitehair and the explanation from Matt Eberflus not satisfactory at all. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Feels like some BS if you're asking me, but we'll get into that in tomorrow's podcast as well. Just make sure we're your first listen each and every day to get your daily Bears fix. We love our everydayers that tune in to Lockdown Bears five days a week because we're here for you every day. That's why we do the podcast is for you to tune in every day and to make sure that we always leave you with an opportunity to bear down.